I am here again with Sam Epps. Say howdy, hello, folks. Sam. Howdy, howdy. Well, it's good to see you again, man. It's been, it's what? Holy cow, it's been a month? Yeah, it's been a little while since we've been together on a uh, on a podcast here. It, uh, you, you, I think you had Scotty on last time, huh? Well, that was a whole thing, actually. Yeah, we never really talked about it, huh? No, I, I haven't listened to that one either. Oh, man. Yeah, it was a whole thing. So um, we introduced the audience to Scotty, Cameron, and Chris. And the audience found out about Scotty time. <laughs> that is a thing. It, see? That's exactly what I said. It's definitely <laughs> a thing. Um, so he showed up late, but uh, Cameron was there. And Cameron and I were just sitting in Carida and... I just decided, why don't we just start, you know? I know Cameron has a cool story, so Cameron told his story, and there were a lot of parts of that story that I'd never heard of before, and it was very inspiring, very, very cool. I had no idea that uh, he just kind of went balls in, Yeah, you know? <laughs> Have you there's heard balls out, and there's balls in. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, holy cow. He He really jumped in. Like, I think that's what I was trying to say. I was trying to say he really jumped in. Gotcha, gotcha. Anyway, um, so Cameron watched a couple videos online, uh, Delos. Uh, I have heard of that. Yeah. Heard good things. I think two months after watching his first videos, he decided to get a boat. And he started off by getting a wind generator. And then he got a boat to put the wind generator in. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and uh, I think it turned out that the wind generator was actually just an alternator, and the guy didn't know what he was talking about. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, anyway, it was a whole thing. Scotty came in in the middle. It was more than halfway through the episode, I think, that we actually started talking about getting people involved in sailing that you know don't actually have friends or people they know that have boats. Talked about uh, ASA... Community sailing programs, Sea Scouts, okay. just walking the docks. Gotcha. All right. That's a pretty good little recap of the last episode, in case you haven't heard. Anybody's just jumping in? Good deal. Well, this episode, I think uh, we're actually sitting, we are not on the sailing vessel, Kalida, this no, time. Not this time. We are actually sitting over here at uh, my personal home. Um, we just finished putting up the Christmas tree. Uh, we're getting getting geared up. It's just after Thanksgiving. We're getting geared up for uh, the Christmas season. And uh, whenever talking about what we were going to do for this episode, uh, it just seemed right that we uh, talk a little bit about maybe good gift ideas for uh, for that sailor in your life or that person that's thinking about going sailing. And also, because it's cold now, what changes? How do you how do you change what you do on the water when it gets cold? Liveaboard life definitely changes. I, I would sure. imagine. Yeah. <laughs> um, being on a boat, it's not like you have the luxury of being able to just put up insulation all over the boat if you have a heater. And having a heater, that's a whole different thing because it's it's it can get pretty dangerous. I mean, it's dangerous having it in a house. Having it in a boat is equally, if not more dangerous, because there's a lot of rocking or uh, if there's any water that gets in, shorts it out. It's just any number Absolutely. of things. Absolutely. The opportunity yeah. is always there. Yeah. It's especially dangerous, I feel like, on a boat. So uh, I feel very lucky that the boat that I got, and there was it was a big thing, the AC unit actually has a heating setting on it where basically it just... Gotcha. It's it a just, reverse heat pump system. Exactly. Yeah. So, and it works great. I mean, the other day it went down to, I think, 38, and it it's was a like chilly. Yeah, it, I mean, it was 70 degrees in the boat. I'm sure it's not efficient because all that heat is just sucked out the hole into the water, but, you know. Actually, that's a, that's a little bit of a misconception. The water temperature is a lot warmer than your air temperature, so anywhere the deeper in the water you are, that's actually a little bit of an insulator for you. Because really? you think your water temperature is probably somewhere in the 50 degree range or so whenever mm -hmm. it's this cold outside. If it's in the 30 air temperature, your water temperature is probably in the 50s, so that's actually an insulator for you. I guess so from the air, but it still sucks some heat out for sure, right? If I set, my setting is like around 70. Yeah, well, I mean, it, it is, but the idea being you're 
your water your water line is warmer than your air line. Yeah, especially here in the Gulf too. Yeah, that's a that's a big one. And the other day, man, uh, earlier today we went in and have you seen the water level out there? It is no, low, I haven't been down to the dock in a while. Low, low, low. It's weird. The that boat, the boat doesn't. Yeah, the the boat doesn't move. It's it's sitting on the keel. It's kind of troubling. Ooh. Yeah. Wow. No bueno. That is that's real low. But anyway, we're talking about the cold. It's Christmas time. Let's talk about possible gifts. What do you think? Possible gifts? Uh, well, so Christmas time, if you have a sailor, that, uh, someone that you know that's already a sailor, they probably, if they're even halfway decent at it, they're not going to need a whole lot of things, but there are certain items that you always could use another of, multiples of, whenever you're, you're on a boat. Tools? Tools, yes. Tools, tools are always nice. Tools for days. Big one, though, is a good serrated knife. Oh, yeah. You can all you mm-hmm. can never have too many of those around the boat because you never know when you're going to need one. If you're a prudent sailor, you're going to always have one on your person. But maybe sometimes you just happen to not have it on you. And the more you have laying around the boat, the more accessible that's going to be when you need it. Yeah, for sure. You know which ones I like? I like the ones that have the marlin spike in them. Yeah, those so are convenient. So got, you got a rope knife on one side or the marlin spike on the other. That way, you need to cut a line, you can cut it. You need to undo a knot, you can just undo the knot with the marlin spike. Exactly. Yeah, those are awesome. Anybody that's listening, hint, hint, Sammy Joe, fiance. <laughs> Another good thing about those knives uh, that have the marlin spike on them, 9.9 times out of 10, they have a blunted point, so you can't actually stab yourself with it if you're rocking around. It's that's more true, of a yeah. slashing blade designed for cutting line rather than to than to pierce or to cut meat or something like that. So it's really very specific to uh, what it's designed for, and it makes it a lot more safe to be used in, in rough conditions. Yeah. Yeah, those are really awesome. Oh, and uh, it also has, uh, what's it called? The shackle tool? You know, in a shackle, like a uh, oh, horseshoe-shaped shackle, yeah, yeah, it has yeah, yeah. that little bolt that uh, slides in there. Exactly. It's got a little tool that you can go in there and instead, if your hands are like super cold or you can't get a hold of it or it's too rough, it gives you that extra leverage. Someone tighten that shackle down a little bit too much. Yeah. Was that an innuendo? Was that, <laughs> was that, what was that? It's just one of those things. <laughs> it's happened, the way it's happened a lot. It, oh, man. The way you said it, I, I wasn't sure if there was something I was missing or not. Yeah, it's just, it seems like every boat that I go on has been a problem. Uh, I mean, they can rust too, you know, like, so it, it, it does get hard. Even if you hand tighten it and you don't use it. Don't come back to it for a long time. Yeah. Yeah, It, it becomes a bitch for sure. So that falls into the category of tools. Like, honestly, there's always something, you know, there's always a new tool that I always have to go out and find or want, not able to find or whatever. So even if it's like, I mean, there's there's the being able to ask somebody, so it kind of takes away the element of surprise. But I would really appreciate it, you know, if somebody took the time to ask or whatever, like, hey, are you missing any sockets? <laughs> you know <laughs> yeah. what I mean? You ha- you always have that like little space that um, in the tool in the toolkit in the socket set of the socket that you're missing, you always lose one, right? It's never complete. At least that's how it is for me. Oh yeah. There's always, there's always a piece or two missing out of, out of those sets. And another thing is it's, it's always in a saltwater setting. So it, it's going to, well, depending on whether or not you're a lake or a saltwater sailor, for the most part, uh, all of our stuff is going to be getting in saltwater. So it's going to rust constantly. And maybe the socket set that you have isn't really good. The ratchet's not going to work anymore. So it's always good to, to keep yourself apprised of uh, of the condition of your tools, the day that you actually need them might be the day that you find out, oh, it's rusted. Yeah, yeah, kind of like that ratchet that we were using earlier today, this morning. Yeah, exactly. Oh, you don't realize like how useful they are and how much you appreciate your tools until you use one or realize that yours is actually not working the way it's supposed to, and then it just becomes such a pain in the ass. Taking out a single bolt was taking, you know, forever just because the ratchet wouldn't go one way. It would it would go if you were trying to tighten something, but you were trying to loosen it. You kind of have to wiggle it and kind of play with it like a stick shift yeah, until you fi- figured out the right places that it would open. Oh, God, it just took forever. Ratchet's not very useful if it doesn't ratchet. 
Yeah, exactly. So tools, tools are a big thing. Another thing is, you know, it's the winter season and people do go out sailing in, in this weather. So another excellent gift idea for, for uh, the sailor that you might have in your life is going to be foul weather gear. It gets nasty. It gets mm-hmm. cold. You're going to get wet. If you don't have good foul weather gear, you're going to get sick and you're going to have a bad time. Look, I've seen some of this foul weather gear, and it, it gets pretty expensive. Oh, yeah, it you can know? get real if, pricey. If you're looking, what is that? The oh, Man, Ar- Arcteryx. What is that company that makes that yeah. badass jackets? Ar- Arterix. Ar- I, know, I know what you're talking about. That, yeah. that one, that's just one of the companies. Um, there's other companies. The big one is Grundon's. Grundon's is is uh, that's the stuff that they use out in Alaska. That stuff's, I mean, it's real high dollar, but it is it is fantastic. You're you're gonna stay warm in that, and it all depends on what what it is that that the person is doing. You know, if they're out sailing in in just a little bit of of weather here and there, then you're not gonna need to go all the way with it and and go all in with uh with a set of something like that. Right. Well, what I was getting at was that. So those are really good because they're they're really 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 good quality. I mean, you get what you pay for. I've I've used a couple of them, and they're absolutely wonderful. But I'm not willing to throw down seven hundred dollars for a jacket. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. This is a ghetto yacht club. And <laughs> it, like, if you have a boat, unless you're a millionaire and you have that kind of fuck you money, like, yeah, sure, you know, of course. But for the most part, I'm not going to throw down seven hundred dollars for a jacket. There will be times, I'm sure where I will eat those words. You <laughs> know what I it'll mean? It'll come back to you. Yeah, it'll come back to me. Um, but that'll probably be my own damn fault for not preparing. But what I'm getting at, I think it was at Tractor Supply. They had this, like, traffic yellow kind of reflector rain gear. Okay. That's worked really well. Like, it was overalls in the bottom and a jacket on the top. And it, was, it, it worked really, really well for rain. Right, and wind because it, it was like a PVC plastic, like a thin PVC. Yeah, it's like the material. the good old style, uh, the old man that's on the front of the fish sticks box kind of yeah, slicker suit. Exactly, exactly. So that worked really well. So if you can get some like some actual insulating layers and stuff, I, I found that it works just as well. Granted, this has been all here in Texas. It has been cold here in Texas, but that's different than going up to. I don't know, New York, Alaska, further up north. Well, heck, I mean, uh, you know, like we were just just joking about the uh, the man on the fish sticks box. Uh, the man on the fish sticks box is there for a reason. That's what they used to wear. Right. And it was uh it was several layers of uh of wool sweaters and and pants underneath that thin rubberized suit. And it worked. You know what worked what else worked really well? Um so we're here in Galveston. And we just had the biker rally. Mm-hmm. I was walking around, you know, all this leather, all this stuff, you know, all the stuff is like super cool. But I don't really have a lot of practical application for it, especially, you know, living aboard the sailboat or whatever, limited in space, mm-hmm. all that stuff. I don't have the, the luxury of having style. <laughs> I can only do things Functionality that, is yeah, key. Yeah, that's it. That's all I got. But um, some of the gear, the writing gear for, for people that are writing cold weather... Some of those first layers, that, man, I wish I would have brought it. That's a really, that was a really good gift idea, I feel like, for not just a sailor, anybody that's hiking or out in the cold or whatever. I put that on, I immediately started sweating. Holy cow. I've never had that. It had this little hole uh, in the sleeve where you put your thumb through. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. I know what you're so talking about. So that when you put gloves on, like it covers your whole hand. Um, oh, man, it was great. It's, it's thick. It's a great first layer. I haven't done it, but I'd imagine that with a couple more layers or and that and something similar like that uh, for leggings uh-huh. and that rain gear, man, I could be outside and you'd tempest. be good to go. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And it wasn't that expensive. I'm, I don't I'd like to think that at festivals like that, they overprice their things. Uh-huh. That's what it's for. I got it for 13 bucks. Oh, hell. Yeah. I was like, yeah, hell yeah, I'm getting this. <laughs> But um, if you're looking to get a gift for a sailor that's out there, out there in like the northern latitudes, colder weather, cold weather gear is always good. 
chances are they probably already have something. So it goes back to what I was saying about the element of surprise or whatever. I personally wouldn't mind if someone gave me another, you know, first layer. So, you know, you have something to change out of. Because right now I only have that one. If something happens to that one or that one gets wet, I'm pretty, pretty screwed. Well, and it's also a matter of, you know, if you're not going for that $700 jacket, $13 uh, bottom layer, even if they have one, it's good to have another one. Yeah, exactly. You don't need two $700 jackets, though. No, no. You really don't need not. one $700 jacket. <laughs> so I, I brought, yeah. Arcteryx Beta S, SV Jacket Black Large, 649, and the bib is 549. So like a set would run oh, you yeah. You're about 11, dollars $1, Yeah, at least. Jeez. They're cool jackets, though. Yeah. I mean, have you, have you ever worn one? I, I stole Chris's for a little while. <laughs> It was pretty nice while I had it. I did feel bad about it. I had to give it back to him. Yeah. So speaking of expensive gear, something else that everybody needs. I mean, I guess if you're in the Caribbean, you don't really need cold weather gear. It's pretty nice all year round. But even if you're in the Caribbean, northern latitudes, southern latitudes, I think life jackets would probably be another good one. Yes, uh, life jackets, safety equipment. That's that's a good all around. It doesn't matter where you are. Just safety equipment in general. Uh Extra harness, you know, extra webbing, a yeah. life jacket. Flares. Flares. If you want to get, like, super fancy, you know, um, you're willing to throw down the money, you can get one of the, what are the, the life jackets with the, what is that, the hydrostatic alarm? Oh, well, it's like got the, it gets, yeah, the light it on wet. it. What is that? No, 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 the ones where it gets wet. What is that called? It's a life jacket, and it's got, like, a little The sensor. auto inflate? Yeah, it's an auto inflate, but the the little device that it has on it, and if it gets wet, it like. I, I it, well, it's not a hydrostatic release. A hydrostatic release that's that's usually on a. Uh, 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 life raft. Life raft, yes. That would be a great gift, but uh, that's a heck of a gift. Maybe if you're planning on sailing with somebody around the world, you could uh, you could look into giving them a raft. Yeah, yeah, that yeah. would be another hell of a gift. I mean, most most life jackets have a. You know, the manual pull. Yeah. But I guess if you're unconscious or whatever, that's where that little That's the idea in. of it, yeah, is, is if you fall in the water and and uh, and you're unconscious, then it automatically inflates, which the interesting thing on those is you would think, oh, man, if I'm out in, in heavy weather uh, and I'm getting splashed and I'm getting rained on, then how does the life jacket not inflate? But it has to be submerged to a certain level before it will automatically inflate. Oh, yeah, that's it. It needs... A certain amount of pressure. Yes. Water pressure on it. Yes. Not much, but yeah. It does have to be submerged to a certain level before it will automatically inflate. So basically, you'll drown for like five seconds. Yeah, just 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 a just a little bit. Yeah. Well, it's better than going all the way down, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. It being lost altogether is uh is not that great, but uh at least if you if you float to the surface, you got a chance of somebody coming out and grabbing you. Right. Yeah. That's true. Well, what else you got? So, uh, so we've done the the tools and safety equipment uh, and cold weather gear. Other gift ideas for the sailor. So, something that you might look into if you're talking about someone that might be getting into sailing and isn't already a sailor, doesn't already have a boat of their own, then you could probably look at books. Look at books on books about sailing, uh, books about navigation, things that are going to help this person along their their little journey of discovery that they've started upon. Um, one book is I'm trying to remember that I think it's called Bowdage, and uh, Bowdage is is taught to all uh, U.S. licensed sailors, and that is basically top to bottom how to be a sailor. And it is, it's a great book. It's got a lot of knowledge in it. Um, it's going to be a little bit beyond your beginner level, but it is a great, a great reference. It has all of the, all of the rules and regulations that you're going to need to know. For kind of like the, kind of like Chapman's. Yes. That's like a, a seafarer's Bible. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's a textbook. You know, that, there's a difference between a book and a textbook. Exactly. Well, then that's that's kind of that's what Bowdage is. Bowdage is is more of a textbook kind of thing, but it's it is a very useful piece of information. Um, 
and it is a great study for somebody that's looking to actually get into this a little bit more serious. Yeah, there's um, there's a bunch of books that I really like. I got something like the the Riggers Apprentice. You know, we talked about people making a living just doing rigging because it gets really complicated. It's a really good. To understand rigging, you have to understand the physics of the rest of the boat. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, like, if you have an introduction into rigging, that's an introduction that ties into, like, if you're learning how to sail, you know, like, what does it mean if you're... Um, or if you're talking about the amount of force that is being applied onto the mast and how the mast needs to be secured to the rest of the boat and the um, the effect that the keel has on how the boat is listing or healing or, you know, like all that stuff. I think it's pretty cool. Not necessarily, you know, beginner stuff, but if you're interested in going that little extra... It never, yeah, it never hurts. The more that you know, it's all... The, the more that you know, the more that you know, the more that you know, you know, it never hurts to to learn extra on on the subject of, of what you're getting yourself into. The more information you have on it, uh, the better off you're going to be. And it doesn't always per- pertain directly to what you're doing. Um, if you're trying to sail, you don't have to go out and buy sailing for dummies, but you, you can come at it from a bunch of different directions. And every little bit of information, just like he was uh, mentioning with uh, the Riggers Handbook, there's information in that that's going to pertain to all manner of different things that are on the boat that you might not have even tied them together in your head, but once you start reading about it in that, you go, oh, okay, that's how that pertains to this other thing that we were talking about. It's all connected, man. It is all connected. <laughs> so if you if we're talking about... <coughs> Let's see, so we talked about uh, Chapman's. Which one is the one that you said mentioned? Bowditch. Bowditch. Okay, I've never actually uh, read that one. It sounds good. I had uh, the Complete Riggers Apprentice, Boat Repair Bible. Anything from redoing the deck to um, uh, basic fitting for the rigging to fixing a sail to basic electronics. I don't know. You name it. Don Casey's has everything. We're not getting paid by Don Casey. Don Casey will never know who we are. But Don Casey's sailboat maintenance manual. But Captain Rick, I don't like to read. And that book is too big. It's got pictures. (laughs) (laughs) It's so good. Anything that could happen or you would need to do on a boat, it's in that book. Is that that the the Chilton's manual of, of boats? Yeah. It kind of is. I'd never thought about it that way. Well, I mean, it doesn't go, it goes into detail with all the general things. Obviously, like all engines are different. You don't know what engine this is, but I think there's a, a couple sections on it for engines, just basically like this is a diesel engine. These are the moving parts. These are what, this is what can go wrong. There needs to be water coming out. <laughs> you know, <laughs> if there's no water coming out, shut it off. <laughs> we you know, we just did basic, mention that. Yeah, just basic things like that. But I mean, it's, Speaking of basic things like that and stuff that we've mentioned in previous episodes, we've actually gotten a little bit of feedback from a few people um, on questions. Uh, we're not going to be a, we're not going to have time to answer a whole lot of them um, in this particular episode, but we'll go over a few just real basic ones. There's some of them that uh, that really got it down into the nitty gritty of things. We could probably build a whole episode off of them, but we'll get to that here in a little bit. I think. Uh, I think yeah, let's let's answer a couple of them. You want to go ahead and answer a couple of them now? Um, we could save it to the end of the episode, or we could do it now. Uh, well, I think let's let's go ahead and move on to. We've talked about some gift ideas, and we've covered some some broad gift ideas. Um, but I think the the meat and potatoes of this is. Uh, oh, you found another one. What did you find? Oh man, this one is really good too. For dumb people like me, I really like pictures. Gotcha. The Complete Sailor by David Seedman. Sadman? I'm probably butchering that name. But anyway, um, that's actually one of the first books that I bought uh, having to do with sailing. And it was very, very informative. Okay. Learning about where to anchor. This was before I took the captain's class, the six-pack. Proper anchoring technique, taking care of your ropes, how to cut ropes, knots, um, typical weather patterns, how to tell the weather reading the pressure, 
uh, sailing tax, points of sa- like it. It was just this one tells you everything you need to know about sailing in a very uh, layman way. Okay. And uh, and Don Casey tells you everything you need to know about maintaining the boat. So those are the two boats that I will always have with me. I think, just in case uh, I'm out sailing somewhere and I hit my head and I get a concussion, I know that I can go to these two books. They're great reference. You know what I mean? Gotcha. Yeah. So now, uh, now that we've covered the the gift ideas, let's let's get into what are you going to do differently now that it's cold. You know, we're in the winter season. The weather is gonna. The weather's changing. It's cold outside. Are there are there things that we're going to be doing differently with our boat in this time of year? And for certain areas of the country and certain areas of the world, that's going to be very very different from what we're going to do down here. We'll touch on a little bit of that. But the basic the basic overall answer is yes, things change. It, the weather has changed. Your the way that you're going to act on the boat has, is going to change. The things that you're going to do on the boat are, is going to change. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like you said, um, it affects it affects people differently depending on your geographical area. If you're further up north in like Alaska and stuff, you need to do some kind of over the top things. Like, well, you were mentioning it earlier, you know, unplugging your batteries, making sure there's no fluids anywhere, uh, possibly even uh, what'd you what'd you say about the engine? Yeah, I'll take I'll let you take care of that. Yeah, uh, well, and, and it, you don't even have to be all the way up in Alaska. I mean, if you're in Maine or or uh, higher up on the coast like that, you're going to have to do these same things. It's uh, They have this program. It's winterizing the boat. Yeah, I deal with extreme, Sam, by the way. <laughs> I'm going north. I'm going all the way north. All the way. Uh, so you're going to winterize the boat, and um, that entails a lot of different things. Some companies do it a little bit differently, but... Um, the, the overall idea is, is that you're going to try and isolate all of the systems. So you're going to disconnect the batteries so that they're, they're not able to drain. They're not able to, to discharge to any equipment that may accidentally have a, have a leakage current. You're going to fog the engine. is what They usually uh, do what's called fogging the engine, which is where you run the engine and you spray this real nasty sticky oil in it. And it literally coats everything inside of the engine so that whenever the temperature is changing up and down extremely, you're not going to have any uh, moisture able to get inside of the engine and deposit inside of the engine. It, it, if you don't do that, you could literally get uh, condensation inside of the engine and it'll seize the rings, it'll seize the valves, it just wreaks havoc on all kinds of stuff. So you do that, stuff like that. How does that happen? Uh, it's just the temperature differentials. Whenever you have met really heavy temperature swings, any moisture in the air is going to start condensating out. And that a major area for that to happen is in your bilges and around the engine and places like that. So if there's any moisture in the air in the engine compartment, that moisture gets into the intake. Any valves that might be open, maybe you get a stuck valve, maybe you get some stuck rings. It's just altogether not good, so... Yeah, that would suck. You run the engine, and then you spray this fogging oil into it until it, it literally shuts the engine off because it just chokes all the air out. And it smokes a little bit, but it coats everything inside of the engine that could possibly get this moisture on it and and uh, make sure that you don't have that problem. Gotcha. The other thing that they do is uh, they'll wrap the whole boat. So uh, uh, well, they'll, drain, they'll drain the tanks. So if you have water tanks on board or... Uh, a lot of times with the fuel tanks, they won't drain fuel tanks. They'll actually press the tanks all the way up, again, to avoid that moisture problem. If you have an air gap inside of the tank, you're going to end up collecting moisture on the top of the tank, and then you're going to get water in the fuel later whenever it all starts defrosting. Right. So you press the tank all the way up and leave no void space in there, but you drain the water tanks because obviously you don't want to have a full water tank, have that freeze, and then you bust a water tank. Yeah. Or it can get even so severe if there's not enough room between the tank and the hull to actually crack the hull. Right, yeah. And then uh, you, you actually take uh, this really nifty stuff. It's, uh, it's like shrink wrap for boats. It's plastic wrap that they put a- around the whole boat and heat up with a torch, and it just <laughs> shrinks down like shrink wrap. It's, it's, uh, it's really cool stuff, but it keeps everything from getting a bunch of snow on it and so on and so forth. 
keeps the frost off of stuff. Yeah, I saw some of that stuff in uh, in Juno. <coughs> it's really fun. It's fun to watch him do it too. Yeah, I just saw the After Effects. I didn't see anybody, but I did see some people make like uh, scaffolding around their boats, pretty much, and just cover the whole thing in in a big tarp or plastic. Yep. Yeah, there's a. Which I mean, makes that's a whole industry. Yeah, which makes sense. The other thing. Oh, also, if you're gonna go through winter. The lines are a big deal. I've already had to save a whole bunch of boats over there at the Yacht Basin in these windy days. It's been... Um, check your check your fucking lines. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you're... Uh, You'll lose the boat if, if your docking lines are frayed or, you know, and you just leave it like that. Well, yeah, you that's... You don't check on it for a while, like... It's wintertime. Your 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 wind directions are going to change, so your prevailing winds that you have in the summer are going to be different in the winter. So if you only have two lines on on the side that the winds prevail in the wintertime, then you you need to put more lines on your boat. In general, the winds are going to be a little bit more harsh in the wintertime. You're going to get those gales that come up real quick, and you're just not ready for it. You're probably not on the, on the boat quite as much, too, so you're not going to be thinking about it quite as much. Right. Yeah, I'll check it tomorrow. I'll check it next week. I'll yeah, check exactly. It next month, you know, it's a good way to turn a perfectly good boat into a big money pit. Into trash. That almost happened with a boat next to me, man. Uh-oh. Uh oh. I had to call Chris. It was like thirty knot winds, <coughs> gusts. It's like 25, 25 knots, thirty gusts, and uh, I I couldn't I couldn't get it, man. Like it was about to pull me into the water. I had oh, to call no. Chris, and uh, what I ended up doing is I tight roped the bow line. <laughs> onto the bow it was really scary and then once i got on there i tied it on and i was like do you want me to come and help you and chris you know it's just like those moments you know where chris just like outsmarts you and makes you feel really dumb <laughs> he like he's like no 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 undo it from the boat and i was like okay and he ties it to the cleat and he's like just put it on the wench and use the wench i was like you son of a bitch <laughs> like, god damn it you're a fucking genius <laughs> And sure enough, yeah, I mean, it did all the work for us, you know. Um, yep. But then we tied we tied that boat really well. It was, luckily, you know how there is. There's the two finger piers and two slips in between uh-huh. with the posts in the middle, two posts in the middle. It had come undone on the side of the boat that was next to the finger pier, and it was blown away. So if there was a boat on the other side, it would have definitely, like, destroyed the other boat. Oh, no, that, um, that's no good. That's an insurance nightmare. Yeah, so the boat was pretty much taking up two slots, and it was just impossible to bring it in because the only thing that we actually had in our hand uh, was a spring line. So it was grabbing the middle of the boat, not even, you know, being able to get good leverage yeah, on the Yeah, you're whole not going to make that happen. So that was the whole thing. And then um, there was another boat further down that it was tied, I think it was tied, like, too close to the dock and then once the wind shifted because we don't usually get north winds here so that whenever the wind shifts to shifted the north, around it was blowing it right up against the dock yeah man it yep. was bad it was bad it was a big old gash in the fiberglass it didn't go all the way through but you know it's not good it's still no fun yeah, yeah. talk about good good gifts line yeah line and fenders and fenders you can never have too many fenders yeah Agreed. I completely forgot about that one. Thank you for reminding me yeah, about that. Yeah, that's good. Fenders. Any docking lines, mooring lines, 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 <laughs> like, <laughs> just anything. Oh man, that's a great gift. I would that that would feel really good. Yeah, it, it, it's not going to fit in a stocking, but uh, it's still still going to make someone happy, mm-hmm. and it looks really funny under the tree. Oh, that's <laughs> nautical as fuck, dude. <laughs> All right, so, yeah. so winterizing. Um, yeah, we, we mentioned in the earlier earlier part of the episode um, was try, trying to keep warm. If you're doing the whole liveaboard thing, that that can be a really big thing. Obviously, if you're doing the liveaboard thing, it it goes without saying that there is going to be a lot of discomfort, whether it's by space, heat, cold, you name it. It's fun. It's great. I personally enjoy it a lot. Same. It's kind of like camping, you know. Yeah, um, you're just camping every day. Yeah, uh, but you got—I mean, you got to be very, very careful with having those heaters on there. Yeah, yeah, you don't want to. The way to go with heat on a boat is always to have a central system, 
just well, just like with any any house, it's never a good idea to to run the space heaters. I mean, it's it's what you have to do sometimes. But if you have to do it, be smart about it and and make sure that you're you're keeping these things away from all of your flammables as much as possible, and don't run them while you're asleep. Yeah, well, it's hard to keep it away from flammables too. I mean, yeah, you're, I mean, it's all flammable. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Uh, that's yeah. how uh, Sammy Joe's house that she grew up, she grew up and burned down. Okay. Space heater. Uh, Chris, Chris is the same way. Actually, Chris has a uh, vendetta against space heaters. I don't think his house burnt down, but he was, uh, he was around whenever a space heater got a little too close to a blanket and lit off, and it's always an- annoyed him ever since. Yeah. Well, good. Uh, it's good. Because it's not even like a house where you have a stable surface to put it in. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, like, the wind's blowing. You're going to be rocking in the slip and everything, and this, and the heater might turn over. Yeah. Or if it gets, a, if it's an oil oil heater, gets a crack in it or something, you turn it off. Well, you should turn it off whenever you leave. Yeah. Um, having that pressure differential. I really do prefer the oil heaters. temperature. Do you? Yeah. I, that's... If you're going to have a space heater, I think that's your safest safest bet instead of these uh, toaster ovens with a screen on the front. Uh, yeah, just, where you can see the, the <laughs> coil, like yeah, exactly. red hot coil. Oh, man, it's just scary. Yeah, I'm really happy that our central AC system is working properly. I just apparently uh, camera got super pissed off at me the other day. Because I never cleaned out my strainer. He's like, I do that every week. I was like, <laughs> it's been more than a month. It's still running. And sure enough, that night, it stopped working. Oh, <laughs> no. There was like a little clam that made it its way into like the little uh, Venturi device uh-huh. that sucks the pan out. So I looked in there. So not only was it not heating or cooling, but there was a, sh- a crap ton of water. Oh, in the bottom in, of the pan. Yeah. Yep. Like that whole, uh, you you know how my boat is. Like it's it's separate bilge. It doesn't just drain into the main bilge. Uh-huh. It's completely separate. So that whole thing was filled with water to the very top, and it started to drain out. But Dude. it just it hadn't made it past the floorboard, so I I couldn't tell. <laughs> so if I hadn't tried to fix the AC, I wouldn't have noticed until it was like overflowing. Yep. Ah, boat life, <laughs> love hate relationship. Anyway, what else you got, man? Um, Blankets, lots of blankets. Yeah, if you don't, blankets. if if you don't have uh, AC power, if you're anchored off somewhere, just layer up. Yep, gloves. Even if, uh, personally, I'm I'm not one to wear gloves whenever I'm sailing uh, very much, but uh, wintertime, you, you're gonna need them. Mm. It's definitely no fun to to have cold hands working a line and then have it slip, and now you have a rope burn cold hand. Yeah, sailing gloves is actually another good idea. They're not that expensive, I don't think. Yeah. Yeah, that would be a that would be a good idea. Oh, um, you know what is a good idea? Um, I did this. I think was it the first Harvest Moon that was really cold? I can't remember, but I had sailing gloves, but I had these Under Armour like kind of skin tight gloves that uh-huh. keep your hands warm. So you know how sailing gloves are kind of like cut right above the knuckle. Yep. So you have your fingers exposed for the dexterity. Uh, so I had the Under Armour gloves and then put the sailing gloves on top. Man, it was awesome. I didn't <laughs> care. Everybody was, you know, putting their hands under their armpits. I was just like, <sighs> good to go. Yeah. So, another thing you got to keep in mind whenever it starts getting colder is uh if you're if you've got an engine on board, whether it be a gas or a or a diesel engine, if you're going to run that engine um and it starts getting cold outside, your water temperature is cooler and everything. You can't just go out and fire it up and be ready to go in in two or three minutes. You got to oh, give that yeah. thing a little bit of time to warm up. Otherwise, you're going to start ruining ruining seals and gaskets and uh, ruining the rings. Yep, you're you're adding extra wear to the engine that's just unnecessary. Warming the engine up is always a good idea, uh, regardless of the temperature, but especially whenever it starts getting cold out. Yeah, regardless uh, of boat, car, motorcycle. Yeah, I mean. I don't necessarily warm the car up too much because I know if I get broken down on the side of the road, I'm okay. But uh, if I break down offshore, it's a different deal. I'm guilty of that too. That's uh, true. Yeah, I guess it, it. Very different circumstances. Yeah, very different circumstances. Less forgiving out there, I guess. Yeah. Because if you don't have the engine, I mean, you can try to sail, but if. I mean, you could try to sail. Yeah. <laughs> if you're on a sailboat, if you're on a motorboat, then 
you truly are pretty screwed. Yeah. Uh, you're so the things that happen whenever that that uh, engine is is cold. Things like uh, your water pump, your raw water pump. Most of the time, that's a rubber impeller. That rubber is not as pliable whenever it's cold. It's oh, not going to give yeah. you as much water flow. Yeah, that's a big one. And so that needs to warm up to to get a little bit better water flow. It gets bit, uh, biddle. <laughs> biddle. Brittle. <laughs> it gets brittle. <laughs> yeah, it gets it gets brittle. Um, your rings uh, in the in the pistons, the the rings are not going to expand as rapidly, and you're going to be shocking them a little bit uh, with the the cold temperatures. Your oil is thicker; it's going to take longer for the oil to get into certain places. So you don't want to crank it up and immediately rev the engine up because that oil is not going to get where it needs to be immediately. Especially if it's not the right type of oil for that environment. Yes, if you're so that's it's not a big deal down here. Most of the time down here, it doesn't matter if you're running twenty W fifty down here it's not really going to be cold enough to make that big of a difference. Right. Uh, if you're up, if you're up North and you're talking about really decently cold temperatures, a big thing that you do, if you're going to continue to use your boat, um, in those conditions is you change to a thinner oil. That's with anything that they do it with the vehicles, with it, with everything up there. Uh, but you have to change to a thinner oil because that thick oil just isn't going to get where it needs to in time. Right. It's going to be sludge. Yep. It'll actually start crystallizing. It's it's kind of fun to watch. Oh, really? Yeah. I would it, like to see that. Real yeah. thick real thick oil. It's not really crystal, but uh, it turns into jelly. It's just it's nasty. Hmm. I'm going to look that up on YouTube. <laughs> so yeah, those are um those are your your real basic winter winter things that you you just have to keep in mind uh during your your holiday season if you're planning on going out and playing with the boat. Oh. I got one. Flare gun. Flare gun is great. Just for shits and giggles. <laughs> Just to say you have one. If you don't, let's see what else. You don't need yeah, one. We, we covered uh, safety equipment, cold weather gear, lines, fenders, sailing gloves, tools, 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 tools. What else? We got a decent amount of stuff. I think we can take. We can. We can go ahead and uh, talk about a couple of these questions real quick. Yeah. Okay. Let's do it. So uh, one question that we got, um, what is a tiller? So uh, apparently during one of our episodes, we had talked about um, tiller steering, and we just did not, it didn't occur to us to, to explain that farther. Ricky, would you, would you like to take question number one? Sure. So it's kind of hard to, to show you because I'm making hand movements. But we're not that type of medium right now, at least not yet. But anyway, so you have the rudder, which is the back of the boat, and that's uh, whether it's the wheel or the tiller that controls the rudder. And the rudder is out on the back of of the boat, and what it does is it changes the pressure of the water around it as you're going forward, which helps you steer. So the rudder is your steering. The wheel and the tiller are different ways to move the rudder. The wheel uses a cable system. The tiller is literally just a or big hydraulic. S- or hydraulic, yeah. The tiller is just a stick coming out of the rudder post, like straight from the rudder. You got a post, so you you move it by hand. I must say, y'all are missing some fantastic hand movements. I am. <laughs> yes. So the tiller basically, like, if you put the tiller to the starboard side, like away from you, it'll go to the port side if you put it towards you it'll go to the starboard side so it's, it's inverted kind of like i don't know this is like a push, really nerdy thing push right to go left yes exactly it's um i was a big gamer and i did inverted in my joysticks for a long time <laughs> so like when you put the joystick up you actually look down gotcha. you put the joystick down you actually look up it's kind of like that it takes a bit to get used to uh, especially if you start off with the wheel like i did but once you get it, it's... It's very intuitive. Yeah, it, it's really not that complicated. It's just changing the way that your brain is processing how the boat is moving. And once you, or for, at least for me, what happened was once I kind of got out of that nervousness of being in control of the boat, you know, where you can actually focus on it. Having a tiller is actually kind of nice on on up to a certain size boat because yeah, you small, get a lot of feedback. Yeah, smaller you boats can with really tillers. really tell. Smaller boats with tillers are great. Kagan, 
awesome. Yeah, you can really tell, you can really feel what you're doing. You you can trim the sails based off of the pressure you're feeling in the tiller. Yeah, because if you're have if you're using a wheel, you can hold the wheel and whether it's the cables or the hydraulic line, I mean they're the There's ones very taking all. The, yeah, exactly. I mean, once you get to like certain level of weather helm and stuff, like you'll you'll really have to fight it. Yeah, you know. Um, but at that point, with a tiller, you'll know that you have to do something different. You know, yeah. you don't have to wait that long. Yeah, the tiller lets you know early on that you're you're effing up. <laughs> yeah, and that's yeah. I guess that's all that's, I got that's for the yeah. That's pretty much what a tiller is. It's very basic. Uh, it's a stick on a door. <laughs> Fair enough. So uh, another question that we had gotten is, uh, what is considered light use or heavy use for a boat? Kind of uh, just. We were talking about the buyer's guide, and we were saying, you know, this boat's been used heavily. Um, and how how would you tell, you know, on a car, uh, you drive a car five miles a day, then obviously that would be considered light use. If you're driving 50 miles or, or 100 miles a day, uh, that's, that's heavy use. Mm, that's a good question. It's really hard to kind of gauge it. I feel like essentially you'd kind of have to go through some of the things that we talked about in the, um, you know, in the first episodes, the boat buyer's guide, that should give you a fairly good idea. But how to know whether it's been used a lot or not, and how much of it is from use, and how much of it is just lack of maintenance or time. Yeah, I, I feel and that's like that's a big it can get thing. Tricky. Just like a vehicle, though, a well-maintained vehicle that has two hundred thousand miles on it can look and perform fantastic, but a vehicle that has 60,000 miles on it that was never maintained and never taken care of can look at like shit and, and be very bad. It'll, it'll run bad. It won't perform properly. Right. It's the same thing with the boat. If it looks nice and it performs nice, who really cares how much, how much use is on it? As long as, as the maintenance has been upkept and everything is, is operating properly, you know, it can, it can be, 12 years, 15, 20, 30, 40 years old, and it'll still be a nice piece. It'll still be a nice boat. Right. There are two things that come to mind, though. One of them is instead of an odometer on a boat, you have like an hour counter. Yeah, you do have the hour meter on the engine. That's a good indication of how much the engine's been run, but it doesn't tell you how much, the, especially with a sailboat. Exactly, yeah. But, I mean, it, it's something. It's It's not exactly as apparent or comparable to an odometer but it's it's just a usage counter and then especially if it's been rebuilt it's you know it's a better indication because you know it could be like i don't know thousand hours but oh the engine's been rebuilt here okay how long ago oh i don't know we never reset the counter oh well yeah that's a lot of good that does you know that's a good sign of poor maintenance yeah um the other thing is i guess you can check the bottom right a boat that moves around a lot doesn't grow as much, but over time... Yeah, that, that's like, not going to be it, a good indicator really, over a long period of time, though. In a short period of time, I feel like it's good. In a long period of time, not not really. And uh, another thing that's that's really more of a short period kind of deal, but every... I mean, just about every boat that you're, that you're going to see out there that's of any size has, has a uh, GPS on it these days. And a lot of people uh, turn on the tracks, and you can just yeah. look at the tracks and see how many how many tracks are. And oh man, I never thought about that. All right, dude, let me see your GPS. <laughs> uh, uh, <laughs> it doesn't work. All right, that's a thousand dollars off the price. <laughs> yeah, there you go. That's that was a good question. That is a who, good question. Who sent that question in? Uh, that is a friend of ours, Erica, up in Maryland. Oh, we got listeners in Maryland. We're reaching out. Holy cow, that's awesome. Hello, Erica. <laughs> Yeah, we'll see. Uh, she she mentioned that uh, she was going to be bored this week. She's actually one of the reasons why we're doing this episode right now. She mentioned, the, hey, I'm going to be bored doing stuff at work this week. Y'all need to record some more episodes. That's good, man. We really do need to record more. Um, these past couple of weeks have just been brutal. October, yeah, there's been a lot of stuff going on. Yeah, October has been brutal. November has been brutal. I'm starting a new job. There's just been very little time. This whole podcasting thing is actually taking all. It's a lot more labor intensive than I initially anticipated. It is. It is quite labor intensive. But we we've got it started, and uh, so far it's we've done. I, I feel like we've done all right with it. We've, th- we've done a fairly fairly good job with the the episode so far. Yeah, we need to hear more. We need to hear back 
for more people like Erica. Let us know what you think, what we need to do, how we can improve, what you want to listen to. Send us some more questions. We uh, we have some more questions, uh, but I think we're going to save those for another episode because they are going to be a little bit more lengthy, and we're getting probably close to the end of our time on this episode. So not to mention I'm, I'm uh, staring at a massive box of decorations that need to get put up that I think we're going to probably take a break and chug some uh, wine and get to for a minute. Mm. Oh, I'm not going to get to that. <laughs> That's all you <laughs> Vaya con Dios, man. <laughs> Good luck. No, that's, we'll, we'll see what happens. Well, you got anything else you want to add? I think that about does it for, uh, for this evening. We uh, will have to look into what we're going to be talking about for the next episode. And We really need to get on the ball and, and have this planned out. Like If we're going to do an episode so that we can build up the interest for the next one. You know what I mean? Also, we're, we're, again, we're too laissez-faire, man. We're we're just kind of flying with it. Like, send us some questions, guys. Like, send us some ideas for episodes because it obviously we've got plenty of stuff that we can talk about. But uh, it's it's more interesting whenever y'all are interested in it, and we want to hear what y'all want to know. Yeah, yeah, for sure. How about this? Let's do an episode on the ICW. Okay. That'll cover some navigation. We'll do a little research on the engineering, the history of it. We kind of talked about it a little bit um, on the last episode, but if we can get just or try to do like a basic overview of traveling the ICW, I feel like that'd be pretty cool. Yeah, it's a uh, waterway that a lot of people use in this area. It's uh, it, good to have knowledge of that. Yeah. So let's let's try to plan that. All right. Got anything else? Nope, I think that's it. Cool. Well, thanks a lot, guys. Once again, send us an email. Get in touch with us any way you can. You can send us an email at thosedamnsailors at gmail.com. You can go to our website, damnsailors.com. You can find us on mm, pretty much all podcasting platforms. We're on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, and I think most other podcast apps have a Super easy there. to get to it on the website, too. Yeah, you can just download it right there. But if you're already using another podcast uh, service, we should pop in there by just being on those three. And if not, let us know what you're using so that we can figure out how we can get you or we can get our podcast onto that service. Anyway, thanks for listening. And thank you for sailing with us.